0: Just imagine.
1: The mightiest heroes of our time.
0: Superman.
1: Batman. Flash. Green Lantern.
0: Wonder Woman.
1: Hot Girl.
0: John Jones, Manhunter from Mars.
1: Have banded together as the Justice League to stamp out the forces of evil wherever and whenever they appear.
0: The Fire and Water Podcast Network proudly presents...
1: JLU Cast.
0: Welcome to the 16th episode of JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network covering the animated adventures of the Justice League and their eventual evolution into Justice League Unlimited. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin.
1: And I'm Chris Franklin, and today we're covering the third two-part story from Season 2 of Justice League, Only a Dream. These episodes introduce the DCAU version of the League's old foe, Dr. Destiny. So Let's go through the Watchtower Files for a look at the Bad Doctor's career. Watchtower,
0: Watchtower Files. Dr. Destiny debuted in Justice League of America number 5, June-July 61. The creation of writer Gardner Fox, artist Mike Sikowski, and editor Julia Schwartz.
1: In his first appearance, Dr. Destiny is a typical evil scientist. He uses anti-gravity and will-deadening weapons to capture and impersonate Green Lantern and infiltrate the League. He makes the other heroes think that their new recruit, Green Arrow, aided a group of escaped supervillains. More on that later. Of course, the League figure out his plan and defeat him.
0: In his second appearance in JLA number 19, May of 63, Dr. Destiny creates evil duplicates of the Leaguers, pulled from their dreams with his invention, the...
1: Materiopticon. Okay. That's what he says in the show, Materiopticon. (laughs) Okie (laughs) dokie.
0: The real heroes are unable to prove their innocence and are sentenced to exile in space. The Leaguers use a legal loophole to return in their civilian forms.
1: Not only is this the beginning of Destiny's dream gimmick... It is also the basis for the plot of the first episode of *Challenge of the Super Friends, called Wanted the Super Friends.
0: Destiny once again invaded the Leaguers' dreams in JLA 34, March of 65, saddling them with objects that give them out-of-control powers. The League discovered Destiny has made a new
1: Materiopticon
0: in prison and shut him down.
1: Destiny used his Materiopticon to impersonate the League's foes in JLA number 61, March 1968.
0: Destiny didn't reappear until JLA number 154, May of 78. He invades the League's dreams again, but this time he has their powers go out of control. Superman accidentally kills Jimmy Olsen. Batman grows bat wings. Black Canary's Canary Gry brings a building down, etc.
1: When the heroes confront their foe, they find he now resembles a living skeleton. After his last confrontation with the League, a prison psychiatrist hypnotized him to lose control of his dream-created Materiopticon. But he inadvertently also took away his ability to dream, causing him to wither away to near nothingness and go mad.
0: Destiny returned in JLA number one seventy five one seventy six in nineteen eighty with plans to drive the entire world mad through their dreams. He faced off against Superman and Black Canary in DC Comics Presents number thirty, but his final battle with the classic JLA came in their first ever annual in nineteen eighty three.
1: With the help of substitute Green Lantern John Stewart, sounds familiar. The League tracked Destiny to the Dream Dimension, home of Joe Simon and Jack Kirby's 1970s version of the Sandman. Destiny's connection to the world of the Dreaming would prove quite portentous.
0: Destiny made a handful of appearances in the DCU during the transition years between the pre- and post-crisis eras of the DCU, but his most memorable appearances came in Neil Gaiman's early issues of his acclaimed Sandman series.
1: Appearing in issues number 2 through 7, Destiny's appearance and mind are more disturbing than before, as we learn the jewel version of the Materiopticon is actually a mystic ruby containing some of the power and essence of the master of the dreaming himself, Morpheus.
0: In Sandman's number 6, 24 Hours, June 1989, Destiny enters a 24-hour diner and uses his enhanced powers to manipulate the patrons into acts against their will, including murder. His influence spreads into the outside world, causing many to fall asleep instantly and driving others to murder or suicide.
1: In Sandman No. 7, Morpheus and Destiny battle, and when Destiny tries to take more of Morpheus' power, the Overload cracks the ruby, sending all its power back to its master. Morpheus takes pity on Destiny, knowing the ruby had warped his mind. It gives him back his ability to dream and sends him back to Arkham
2: Asylum.
0: Dr. Destiny, whose real name was revealed to be John D, reappeared several times in the intervening years, always with a plot involving dreams. It's kind of as shtick as we shall see.
1: And yes, he looks like Skeletor. But he came first, and even his skeletal hooded look predates the evil lord of destruction by four years. So now let's jump into the episode proper. Only a Dream originally aired October eleventh, two 2003. Again, both parts aired together. At this point, written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Michael McQuiston, In the voice cast, we have Maria Canals as Hot Girl, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Carl Lumley as John Jones, George Newbern as Superman, Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash, Phil Lamar as Green Lantern, William Atherton as John D and Dr. Destiny, Veruza Balk as Penny, Dana Delaney as Lois Lane, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor, Mark Hamill as the Joker and Solomon Grundy, David Kaufman as Jimmy Olsen. Jason Marsden as Snapper Carr, Perry Gilpin as Volcana, Mark Ralston as Firefly, Nicholas Guest as Dr. Brooks and Luminous, Jose Yinke as Copperhead, and Richard McGonagall as the Warden.
0: Prison inmate John D dreams of being a powerful supervillain. Using his...
1: Materiopticon.
0: As you all can probably guess, I cannot say that for crap, so Chris <laughs> is going to be saying that every time Velvita. he comes up. Shut up! <laughs>
1: You jerk. For for you, for you anybody that's listened to our shows for years, when we did The Wolfman on Supermates House of Frankenstein, like season one, Maliva from The Wolfman, the gypsy that, you know, counsels Larry Talbot, she could never say Maliva and called her everything, including Velveeta.
0: Didn't never. I never say Velveeta. <laughs> you are a turd biscuit.
1: Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> do you put Velveeta on a turd biscuit? Anyway.
0: <gasps>
1: so what's a Materiopticon?
0: <laughs> so I'm just
1: telling you to fill in what, you know. He says he's using his Materiopticon.
0: A massive, mechanicized serpent-like, tentacled monster, he defeats the Justice League and is welcomed into the ranks of super-villainy by Lex Luthor, the Joker, Solomon Grundy, and many other past foes of
2: the League. Well done,
3: extraordinary. <laughs> <show>. <laughs> Congratulations. You've done what even I couldn't do. Mr... D. John D. Ew! We'll have to do better than that. Let's see. D. D. Destructor. Demolisher. Time for that later. First, Mr. D has to tell us exactly how this... thing works. The Materiopticon? Sorry. It's a trade secret. They're all right. Grundy like you anyway. You're one of us now. Easy, easy.
0: John is awakened by a kindly prison guard and sent into a room where a strange device sits, one that looks very much like the...
1: Materiopticon.
0: ...of John's dream.
1: John is placed in the machine and sits under its purple beam. The man in charge, Dr. Brooks, then quizzes his...
0: Then what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can't even say quizzes, huh? Yeah. What? No.
1: The man in charge, Dr. Brooks, then quizzes him on what a series of cards he's holding and John guesses the pictures on each one. John's excited about the prospect of the Materiopticon potentially giving people ESP, but the doctor warns him it's only for a limited time and it may have side effects. John tells Brooks he would like to continue to work with him on the project when he's paroled. His dreams are dashed when that guard returns and tells John he has once again been denied that parole. John's day gets worse when a visit from his wife Penny turns into an in-person Dear John letter. She's found someone else and is leaving him.
0: Later, John is scrubbing a prison toilet when jailbreak sirens wail. In amongst the rioting, John sneaks into the lab and feigns concern for the doctor's safety. He's so concerned he knocks him out cold with a blunt object when his back is turned. John runs over to the machine and turns it on, full blast. Lightning flashes and John screams in agony.
1: Above the Earth on the watchtower, Flash and Hot Girl muse on why Jean, too many Johns in this episode, uh-huh. is standing around in a trance. Batman calls their attention to the monitor and the prison break happening down below, where some of their rogues have escaped. The League heads to Earth, while the warden and the guard make their way into the lab. They find an unconscious Dr. Brooks and a barely conscious and babbling John D. sitting in the machine. They take him to the infirmary, while SWAT officers surround a nearby warehouse where Firefly and Volcana have holed up. They trade a few double entendres and then use their literal firepower to engage the police.
0: Volcana, firefly, you're completely surrounded. There's no way out. How many times have I heard that in my life? Almost ready? Oh yeah. That's your flamethrower?
3: Wait till you see how I use it.
0: That's all right, honey.
1: Well, Volcana does, and she's got them on the ropes until Green Lantern shows up. The two have a power-off, and Firefly states he has Volcana's back. Turns out he's right, because after Batman manages to tackle him mid-air, he steers him into colliding with the fiery female. Green Lantern contains the combustible combo, and they burn up all their oxygen, passing out.
0: They return the pyromaniacs to the prison, and a yawning Batman admits to the warden he hasn't slept in three nights. The warden gets the call that John D has escaped. He explains the ESP machine to the heroes, and the Green Lantern questions using a prison as a testing ground for such a device. They find all the prisoners and guards in their infirmary in a semi-conscious sleep-like state, muttering incoherently. John D is long gone, spying on his soon-to-be ex-wife Penny and her new boyfriend at their home. Superman contacts Green Lantern, telling him they have the other escape cons pinned in a nearby refinery. Batman decides to stay and investigate the situation, despite Lantern considering Dee a nobody. Batman gives him a little lesson on Homer's The Odyssey.
3: I'm staying. What for? You don't know if Dee did this. I don't know that he didn't. Look, whatever he is, he sure isn't in the same league as Grundy and the others. He's a nobody. Ever read The Odyssey? After Odysseus was caught by the Cyclops... He told it his name was Nobody. So when he poked its eye out and its friends asked who did it, all the Cyclops could say was, Nobody. Point taken.
1: On the outskirts of town, Penny wakes up from a dream. She goes to the bathroom to find John in her house. She tries to wake her boyfriend Rick, but she's unable to, thanks to John's new powers. He christens himself Dr. Destiny and he changes his appearance to that of a supervillain, clad in blue with a blue cape and hood as he moves closer to Penny his skin peels away revealing a glowering skull trouble
3: (gasps) sleeping maybe it's your conscience oh I forgot you don't have one
2: how'd you get in here?
3: I can go anywhere I want now
2: Rick, Rick get up, get up
3: sound sleeper huh?
2: what did you do to him?
3: nothing but there isn't much he can do for you Not even the Justice League can save you now.
2: John, please.
3: You know, I never liked that name. It's so ordinary, especially for someone who has such big things in store. You know, a destiny. Oh, destiny. I like it. Doctor Destiny. What do you think?
2: You're crazy.
3: I think you're finally seeing the real me. And now that I'm a doctor, I think I'll perform some surgery.
1: Penny screams, and we see what she just witnessed was in her mind. Rick tries to wake Penny up from her screaming nightmare but he can't get through to her. In the hills outside, among the trees, John D. smiles.
0: At the refinery, hot girl chases Luminous, but he traps her in a hard light, holographic vault that begins to shrink smaller and smaller. She begins to suffer a claustrophobic panic attack when Superman frees her. Meanwhile, Solomon Grundy pulls a reluctant copperhead into the full-blown confrontation with the police.
3: This way. Grundy say, this way. But... Hold it right there, Grundy. This is as far as you go. Are you crazy? No. Mad. I am so dead.
0: The Slippery Snake stands back while Grundy trashes cop cars and shrugs off Bazooka Blast. The two fugitives eventually retreat back into the refinery, where they run into Jean, whose anamorphous form proves difficult for the dim-witted zombie to deal with. Flash isn't faring nearly as well as with Luminous, underestimating his hard light powers. He creates an army of duplicates who pummel the Scarlet Speedster. Luckily, Hot Girl and Superman come along. Superman uses his X-ray vision to see the skeleton of the real Luminous. and a Thungarian kick to the groin and a Kryptonian stomp of his hologram projector later, he's down for the count.
1: Superman flies off to intercept Grundy, not knowing Copperhead has snuck up on Hot Girl, demanding she fly him out of harm's way. She takes him straight up into the sky. When he threatens to bite her if she doesn't fly on, she reminds him he'll fall straight to the ground. Green Lantern adds a threat of his own if Copperhead lays a hand on her, but Hot Girl is perfectly capable of taking out the garbage, and knocks him out, letting him drop several hundred feet before catching him at the last minute.
2: Well, get me out of here! And what if I don't? I give you your last kiss. And you fall 40 stories. Didn't really think this through, did you?
3: I'm not scared. Then maybe this'll help. You do anything to her and you won't even make it to the ground.
2: <laughs> Good bluff. Who was bluffing?
1: Superman and Jean tag team on Grundy and deal with his equal strength level by just picking him up and tossing him several miles through the sky into the nearby bay.
0: The villains are gathered up and taken back to prison, while Penny D continues to suffer her never-ending nightmare at a nearby hospital. When she is sedated, Batman calls Jaune in to read her mind. He finds that Penny is in a delusional state, unable to wake from her nightmares. Nightmares caused by her former husband, now calling himself Dr. Destiny. Jaune warns he is after the League as well. Back on Watchtower, Flash grabs a coffee for a tired hot girl, but she's already asleep at her post when he comes back. He covers her with a blanket and is soon out cold beside her while her teammates prepare for sleep elsewhere. Green Lantern, John Stewart in his inner-city brownstone apartment, and Superman in Clark Kent's high-rise apartment. As the heroes sleep, awaiting Dr. Destiny, laughs.
1: <laughs> to be continued... Okay, the look of the dream sequence at the beginning of this has a lot more heavy blacks than the series typically does. It was kind of weird to come in on that. It makes it look more like a 90s X-Men cartoon in a lot of ways. It was kind of a different visual. Now, Wonder Woman does appear in the dream sequence, but she doesn't speak. And she doesn't actually take part in the story itself. But you can see her, like, in the pile of Justice Leaguers he's standing on.
0: Right, so she was just on vacation.
1: Yeah, yeah, Susan Eisenberg was just busy that week, yeah. Uh, John D is voiced by William Atherton, best known to most folks as Walter Peck, the bureaucratic dillweed from Ghostbusters. He kind of had a slack on that kind of part, you know, mm. he's probably really a nice guy in real life, but he almost always played that kind of guy.
2: <laughs> I could
1: have called him something else, but there might be kids, you know, yes, it's true, this man has no, yeah, you know. Uh
0: <laughs> Christopher.
1: I'm betting Clancy Brown recorded his few lines for this one while recording the last episode, you know, because Luthor was heavily involved in that mm-hmm. episode. Uh, and since Mark Hamill was here to voice Solomon Grundy, why not get a Joker out of him, mm-hmm. you know? Uh The Materiopticon, whew, that looks pretty weird. Uh, the real one, the real life one. I kind of feel like they let the dream sequence at the beginning dictate how the machine looks in real, the real world, world a bit too much. I mean, how can that thing cause anything but evil? It looks like a giant purple snake, you know?
0: <laughs> but by the same token... You have the idea that you know John D had already been in this before, so that was already in his brain. Oh know? yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he's
1: using it in the dream as the thing he uses to defeat the Justice right. League. But it's it's still a very evil looking machine. Mm. It looks like something that should be in Snake Mountain. We're back to Skeletor again. Mm. You know? Have
0: you ever seen a mammogram machine? <laughs> mm, you know?
1: Okay, I'm not. No, not really. Not up close. So
0: I have. <laughs> I <don't. Well.
1: laughs> But we are in the DCU, so it's not too hard to imagine a scientific test being run on ESP using something looking like this. In a prison, I guess. I mean, it is kind of weird that it's in a prison, but I mean, that's how uh, Luke Cage got his power. They were testing, you know, you know, you do running tests on people in prison Mm. and stuff. So, you know, it's a kind of a comic trope. John D is, you know, There's way too many Johns. There's John D. there's John Stewart, there's John Jones. Yeah. I mean, they were using the comic book names, but maybe they should have changed his name to something else.
3: Jeez. So it's true. This thing really can give people ESP. Only for a little while, and I'm still charting the side effects. But think of the potential. I'd sure like to keep working with you on this, even after they let me out. See what this baby can really do. What it could do is fry your brain. Hey, sometimes you have to take a chance. You know, for science. I appreciate your zeal, but...
1: John D is very eager to continue his work as he thinks this is his big ticket out. But we've seen his dreams and he's stupidly thinking, you know, he should take the villainous route, which, you know, that's not... Not so
0: much a good thing. Not
1: yeah. such a good thing, yeah. So this guy, you know, we kind of feel sorry for him to a point, but it's like he's already got some screws loose, obviously. Although it is a little disheartening when his parole gets dashed. Yeah. Because you never, they never mention the name of the guard, but obviously the guard and him have a friendship. Yeah. You know, so, and the guard's like, you know, you're not like everybody else here. You know, you're you going to go places. Like, well, yeah, he just went in the wrong direction. And then his wife leaves him.
0: Here's the thing, though. This is the part that gets me about it. Okay. Because, you know, when she's talking to him, she's like, you know, when are you going to get out? And he's like, no, I'm not, you know. But the thing is, is, she has already moved on. Yeah. She had no intention of waiting around for him. She was going to drop him either whether he got out or whether he didn't. Yeah. She was already living with somebody else, even. Yeah, and
1: apparently even. at their house. Because yeah. he knew where to find him, and then Batman goes there later, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Penny is voiced by Feruza Balk, probably best known for her roles in Return to Oz, The Craft, and as Vicki Balancourt in The Waterboy. hmm
4: I like Vicky Ballacourt
1: and You show she show me her. never mind. Okay. Uh,
4: <laughs> I like them too.
1: Uh just <laughs> <gasps> the best day of my life. Uh
0: Christopher.
1: The prison riot is pretty violent. Yeah. Actually. I mean, you know, the prisoners are shown choking the armed guards, for instance. It's like, wow. You know, it's like pretty It's, like, it's an HBO drama on Justice League. You kind of think John may really be concerned for the doctor.
0: I know at first, but yeah. No, nope. nope.
1: he just knocks him out cold. He could have killed him, honestly. You know, I mean, he hit him so hard, he could have killed him, you know. Uh, we do see him twitch. That's DCAU code for he's not dead. Yeah. You know, it's like the, you know, it's just like the, oh, the guy, the Cobra guy or the Joe guy parachuted out of the plane. So they're alive, you know. Yeah. It's that, it's their version of that. Did you notice when Flash and Hot Girl are talking about Jean in his trance, you can see Superman and Batman in front of the monitor, but there's nothing on it. So it makes it look like Superman in particular is just staring at a blank wall. So but I guess if Superman's he could be staring through the wall. Mm. You know, so he could be looking out into space, I guess.
2: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: he's literally staring into space.
2: Well there you go. <laughs> Stop that. It's okay.
3: I don't think he's home right now. What's he working on anyway?
2: I don't know, but it's probably important. So leave him alone.
3: But aren't you even... Forget him. Get over here. Crankier than usual. So? Prison break. Grundy. Copperhead. Luminous. Volcana, And Firefly. Say no more. I wasn't intending to.
2: What about John? I'm ready. So what were you working on?
3: Nothing. I was taking a nap.
2: Do you think Batman's
1: a little extra dickish to Flash in this one?
0: Well, but the thing is, you gotta think, he's been awake for three nights. Mmm. So I think that was part of, you know, that character development there, because let's be honest, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not a very nice person.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, the type Flash is the type of guy that when you don't get enough sleep, he's gonna irritate the crap out of you.
0: I mean, because, you know, let's face it, you know, Take the temperature of the room. If I didn't sleep through the night, leave me alone. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or
0: I will bite your head off. Yeah.
1: I thought the animation in the Watchtower seemed a little weak to me for this show. The lines are real thin. The characters are slightly off-model in a few spots. I think it's partially because we had such great-looking shows in this season so far, and it jumps out. It's it's nothing horrible. I mean, it's not. Like bad, you know, a bad episode of the Super Friends where it's like, who the crap animated this? Did they even have access to the model sheets? It's not that bad, but it's just, it just, it's below the usual standards.
0: I, I, it didn't bother me that much. To me, that was just an in between scene, so that's not where they wanted to spend the artist time. Yeah, that were doing this, and so that's where I got that.
1: Yeah. So So, Jean was just taking a nap apparently. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Apparently he's asleep. You know, he's asleep on his feet like a horse.
1: Yeah, he sleeps standing up. (laughs) Yeah. Hey John, why the long face? Uh, (laughs) the warden knows John D. I know I am, it's late. Uh, the warden knows John D and calls him by his first name, so this guy must have been a model prisoner, so he really did screw the pooch. I mean, he probably had a good chance of getting parole eventually, maybe not this time, but. But
0: what gets me is this is like the multiple time that he has been up for parole. He's been up for, for parole at least three times. Mm. So he had to have done something really bad for enough time to have passed for him to be up for parole three times. Well, they tell what
1: he does later in part two.
0: But I'm, we're not to that part no, yet. No, I'm just saying I'm, saying. I'm just
1: saying, yeah. We then meet two of our escape cons, uh, Volcana and Firefly. Volcano was created for Superman the Animated Series. And was voiced both there and here by Perry Gilpin, best known as Roz on Fraser.
0: I'm sorry, I just love her design. Whoever designed her, yeah. you know, I, I, just, she's a beautiful character design. Yeah, she really is.
1: She, she's cool. She's kind of like, in a way, it's it's very similar to what they'll do later. How they'll handle fire, uh, mm, you know, fire true. and ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, because when she powers up, she turns all red, and mm-hmm. it's it's a really cool. Visual. Yeah, she does have a really cool... Her hair is like insane. Yeah. But it's cool, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think... I don't they may have made an action figure of her but I don't have it. I don't have to look. I for think
0: that. they did.
1: I don't have that one. Yeah. It's one of the ones I don't have. It was have. one
0: we couldn't find.
1: Yeah, it's toward the I end. I think it was
0: one of those 3 packs.
1: Yeah, it's that, it, you know, I we think got it got ridiculously expensive with those things. Well,
0: the thing about it is, is when you were buying those 3 packs, it was always, you know, two regular two regular characters and then one that you wanted and, you know, Superman
1: went, and Wonder Woman again yeah, in Volcano or something. Yeah. yeah, they got really crappy with those at the end. Yeah. Sorry. Volcano appeared in two episodes of Superman the Animated Series, and Firefly appeared in two episodes of the new Batman Adventures, and is voiced once more by Mark Ralston, who appeared in the Shawshank Redemption, hey, prison movie, aliens, and tons of other stuff. So what did you think about the exchange between Volcano and Firefly? That's your flamethrower? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait until you see how I use it.
0: It's all right, hon. And then he
1: does, then he does nothing and she pats him and says, yeah, it's all right. (laughs)
0: You know, this this guy that's like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. (laughs) Now that's the thing that kids, you know, that go right over their head, but adults are like, "Uh Mm -hmm." Mm uh-huh. Yeah. Man, she really tears the police department up. I mean, she's, yeah, yeah. She's, she's really, really powerful. And she makes a hand out of fire, and knockstream landing around a bit she's better at constructs than he is at this point yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh Batman's fight with firefly is really well chore- choreographed he goes from Batman being chased by firefly to him like getting on his back and riding him yeah. and, and you know and he's punching him batman's he's like trying to shoot the flamethrower behind him and uh-huh. batman's like punching him in the face as he's steering uh-huh. him it's really well done and then he crashes into her and the emasculation continues. Can you do anything right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like an old, you know, not us, but an old stereotypical married couple, like instantly. And they just, you know, just teamed up. So I think the Green Lantern trick is a nice touch. It's a bit of Julius Schwartz-like science lesson for the kids. Hey, fire needs air, you yeah. know.
0: Well, and it's one of those things going back to the emasculation thing. It's one of those cases where... The woman knows what she's doing, and the man thinks, Oh, because I'm a man, I know what I'm doing. She's like, No, honey, you don't. Let me show you how it's done. <laughs> you know.
1: <No. laughs>
0: Sorry, I had to put that in there.
1: That's okay. We're never told explicitly that the prison is Strikers Island prison, uh, established on Superman the animated series, but it probably is. Mm-hmm. I've seen elsewhere where they call it that. They never say that, and we never see it from above. So right. we don't see the, it kind of looks like a battleship, the shape of it. Mm-hmm. but we never see it from the outside but it it probably is Um, I guess that's you know I guess they ship the Gotham rogues that aren't nuts although Firefly's a pyromaniac why isn't he in Arkham you know I mean he's definitely he sees like women dancing in the flames and stuff so he's as nut as the rest of them so why isn't he
3: in Arkham Asylum
0: well you know maybe they're full
1: yeah maybe (laughs) Yeah.
3: pretty routine stuff for you isn't it sorry third night in a row with no sleep
1: It does seem a bit out of character for Batman to let his guard down in front of the warden and actually appear human and yawn in front of him, I thought. you know, I know that's showing how tired he is, but I'm like, that's a setup for part two, but it, it does stand out a little bit. Did you think so?
0: I think it's just necessary character development for part two because we need to establish that Batman is tired. Yeah. And it's one of those cases that he is probably... Seen the warden, you know, obviously not as much as he sees Jim Gordon, but right. he has a relationship with him already. Yeah. So it's not like it's somebody he doesn't know.
1: Yeah. I can't see him doing that in front of, what's the doctor's name in Arkham they show on the animated series? I can't think of his name. Batman never seemed to like that guy. I always thought he was a little too mm. hippy-dippy with, you know, how he treated the prisoners yeah. and stuff. Green Lantern questions why they have an ESP machine in a prison, not to mention a prison with super-powered humans, which he doesn't ask. But, mm. you know, it's like... You've already got, like, Solomon Grundy and Copperhead mm-hmm. and Volcana in this prison, and you're trying to give other prisoners superpowers. Know. Well,
0: here's my point. Why is Volcana the only female?
1: That's the one you the- see, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the only one you see. Yeah.
1: Is there, like, a female wing? I guess that's where they take superpowers. Maybe it's just, maybe they don't have regular, non-meta females. Maybe it's just, they have to take, this the only place that's got to, to put metahumans humans. You know,
2: mm, maybe although, so.
1: which like again, Firefly's not, but obviously there were regular people there too. Firefly's just a suit and yeah. a gun, but you know, there's some neat tricks in the scene in Penny's house. Uh, one, we see her reflection in the mirror and appears a bit blurry as it should. Mm-hmm. Then she shuts the mirror and the way the camera's framed, you expect him to be standing in the mirror in the reflection when right. she shuts it because it that's the perfect horror movie thing.
0: Right, right. But
1: then he's not there. But then she turns and the camera pans and boom, she bumps into him. Uh-huh. So I thought that was that was really nice. Yeah, they, th- this is definitely a very horror movie like scene. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, we're gonna get even more of that in part two. But the bit worry villain monologues is is nice. I mean, he's really bought into this lifestyle. He hey, now I'm a super villain. You know, yeah. it's like I'll prove to you I'm I can. You know, your mom said I'd never amount to anything, but look at me now. I'm a super villain basically. You know? <laughs> Yeah. He get, you know, he easily goes into the supervillain name and appearance. And what did you think about his face peeling off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His skull face, I think, is a bit similar to how Bruce Tim depicted the new Batman Adventures version of the Scarecrow. Oh,
0: true. Yeah. You know, it's got I hadn't that thought about that. Being lots right. of
1: weird shadows around uh-huh. the skull to make it even creepier. Like, basically, like, he's got, like, deep shadows around the teeth and, around the cheekbones to make it look even scarier than a normal skull. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I said, this whole scene, it really comes across as something like a, out of a nightmare on Elm Street, you know, and it's in the woods. So there's a little bit of Friday the 13th. Anyway, I mean, yeah. they sit it out in a cabin in the woods, which makes it even more remote. There's no yeah. chance of anybody helping them. And yeah, it's, it's really done. It's really, really done well. So apparently hot girl suffers from claustrophobia.
0: I know, I know I mean, and I mean you see that later on too, but you can tell this is a reaction she's had before,
1: right, right, yeah, and it makes sense because I mean she's you know everything's wide open spaces to her,, uh-huh. and uh they handle it really well i i and I'm probably gonna get flack but i when i and I haven't tried to watch it since the nineties, but I remember the nineties x men cartoon uh-huh. storm, they would like beat you over the head about her being claustrophobic. And, man, they went way
2: oh, melodramatic yeah. with that. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was just like, uh, But, I mean, those cartoons were pretty melodramatic anyway. But They're, just, yeah. yeah, you know. But, I mean, they, I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this that are huge fans of it. And I enjoyed it as well. But, I mean, I there were times I'm just like, oh. Yeah, woof, dang, guys. You know, leave some in the jar. You know, you're laying it on so thick, there's none left for tomorrow. You know, it's like, woof. Uh, Luminous is voiced here by Nicholas Guest, who is also Dr. Brooks. He's best known to us as Todd of Todd and Margot. I don't know Margot from Christmas Vacation. <laughs> uh, Luminous was created for Superman the Anime series, but there he was voiced by Robert Hayes of Airplane Thing, mm-hmm. who who is also the voice of Iron Man and also on Starman, the TV version.
2: Right, right, yeah. right, right.
1: So I don't know why Robert Hayes didn't come back, but you know, uh, Copperhead is voiced here by Jose. Yankee, who, and I hope I didn't just destroy his name, who also voiced him in his second appearance, Fury, and continues to voice him throughout Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, including Child's Play, where he faz- says the famous line, what's he say when he's, you remember that? The
0: bad place. We went to the bad
1: place. <laughs> yeah, the bad place. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that's always stuck out with
0: us. I know. We just, yeah. <laughs>
1: When we get to that episode, man, I know we've talked about that before, but that has to be the most watched episode of Justice League in this oh, house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Andrew had it on like a loop. Loop. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure why the original voice actor in Injustice for All, Efrain Figueroa, didn't return. But, uh, you know, he did it one time and didn't do it again. So, Jose Yenque, I hope I say that
0: Y-E-N-Q-U-E. Right. Yeah,
1: Yink Yenque recently appeared on The Last Ship in another DC-related show, Lucifer, which oh. they tied into the CW shows on The Crisis on Infinite Earths because Lucifer showed up to, you know, give John Constantine shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Grundy is clearly being used as the show's analog for the Hulk
2: here.
1: Mm. I mean, the creators are loving clicking off Hulk's greatest hits. He comments on being mad. He trashes cop cars like they're tanks. And even does the thunderclap move with his hands. When, uh-huh. You know, he brings them together. And yeah. Poof, yeah. It's just, yeah. So I don't know why I had to do that in front of you. The guy, the listeners can't, don't know what I'm I doing. Am.
0: Yeah. I got it. We're good.
1: Uh, we're going to see an episode later this season where Grundy is most definitely supposed to represent the Hulk and several other DC characters fill in for a certain non-team from Marvel. So. Grundy versus Jean doesn't work out so well for him though, so maybe Jean is the vision here, you know, because he can, you know, go solid, go, you know, whatever. Non corporeal. Uh, non corporeal. There, there I was trying to say that word. That's the word I was trying to say. We're mm. it's late, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say that man Flash gets his butt handed to him by Luminous. It's kinda sad.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, doesn't this guy fight the mirror master all the time? I mm-hmm. mean, it's kind of a similar shtick. Um, you know, you think you know how to deal with this. I can see him being surprised at first, but he should have been able to knock out all the duplicates and the real guy before he even blinked. Yeah. You know, it's another one of those cases where the Flash is only as fast as they want him to be, you know,
2: because
1: yeah. honestly, he could solve anything, but they kind of play, you know, right now they're playing Flash kind of like a Rube
2: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: times, and yeah, it's not, He it gets it gets better for him in part two, but right here, this does not look good on him.
0: Well, you got to think, in season one, they underpowered Superman. Now they're underpowering the Flash.
1: Mm, seems like it, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the teamwork between Superman and Hot Girl is very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we need a not-so-fast Flash moment. Not so fast. Uh But you could say that for both the Flash TV series, some, especially the CW. There's lots of times like, you're the Flash! Stop standing there, gawking, move! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have we all done that while we're watching the Flash? So, yeah. Uh, what did you think about Hot Girl's handling of Copperhead?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I love Hot Girl. Yep. Love her. I mean, she's like, she is. You know, she has no oops to give.
2: <laughs> mm.
1: They're all yeah, exactly. She's giving them all away, and now she doesn't have any. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, we didn't, we haven't brought this up, but I, you know, I told Shaq I need to make sure I do this, but the depiction of Hawk Girl on here is probably, if there is a comic book basis for it, it's the Hawk Woman version from, um, the Hawk World series, like the, the post-crisis reboot. Mm -hmm. Um, she was a real tough, tough as nails type. She was actually tougher, portrayed tougher than Hawk Man. And so I think, a lot of the, you know, the character, the version of Hot Girl we see here owes a lot to that version. The, okay. the Tim Truman, John Ostrander version of of Shayra Ball. Uh, so, yeah, I think so. Um I do love that GL showed up and basically, you know, said, hands off my woman creep. You know, he didn't say that, but he's, you know, basically. And she's
0: like, I got this. Yeah. And
1: she just decks him and then lets him just drop.
0: That's actually It's actually kind of one of those things. I mean, things like that, similar have happened with us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because somebody giving me crap and I'm just like biding my time and you come up and say, would say something I'm like, I got it, honey. I appreciate it. I got this. Right. Right. right.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I was like, nice bluff. And she said, who's bluffing? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, lots of great teamwork in this one. Superman and Jean take out Grundy pretty spectacularly. Although I'm not sure how sending him through the sky and crashing into the ocean helped them since he k- came out of a swamp. Yeah. You know, so yeah.
0: Now they got to go fish him out of the, yeah, river. but apparently
1: that knocked him out because then they're able to put him in the restraints, which what kind of restraint would even hold him? I don't even oh. know how that
2: works. Yeah. You look beat. Come on, time to hit the sack. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll, uh, I'll take first watch.
1: So what did you think about Flash's line to Hot Girl? Time to hit the sack! <laughs> and then he quickly corrected himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, ooh, <laughs> again, another line that kids are gonna mm-hmm. whew, over their head, but.
0: Thank goodness. Yeah.
1: The bit with him getting her a blanket is sweet, you know. Flash isn't all raging hormones. We're starting to flesh him out here, you know. Well, Uh, he's
0: growing. He's growing up. Yeah, our
1: little Flash is growing up. It is kind of funny though that hot girl managed to fall asleep in the time it takes Flash to go get a coffee and bring it back. So I mean, she must have been zonked. Yeah, Yeah, but you got you know you know how tired are they versus what he's doing to them too, right?
0: Because I mean, is he able to push him into sleep?
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder if he isn't. Yeah. John, John Stewart has a U.S. Marine Corps tattoo and a recruitment poster on his wall. So mm-hmm. it, it makes you wonder why he ever left that Corps at all. You know, I yeah. mean, I know he joined the Green Lantern Corps, but
0: I, I would like to see why, why he did. I mean, was yeah. that ever answered?
2: No,
1: they never, they just see he's ex-Marine. They never did say why or, you know, and he served with uh, Rex Mason, mm-hmm. Metamorpho. That's all we, as far as I know, so far what we watched and what I remember, that's all we know. Because it
0: seems like John Stewart would be your career military career military man. man, Yeah. and why
1: couldn't he be? You could see, I mean, that could have kind of been like a nice little little thing of him, like you know, keep having to leave the base and. You know, right. Well, and then you talk have been about a you know or a officer by then or something.
0: Well, and you had this line in the series where you know he didn't have a lot of money and stuff like that. If he had been in the military, he, you know, he would have been taken care of as far as his basic needs.
1: Well, and they could have they could have had it. I'm You know, they could have had it to where because in the comic books he was an always an architect, mm-hmm. and the TV this series gave him the marine background Mm -hmm. and i think they eventually put that in the comics and both but he could like you know that he went to college on the
0: gi bill gi
1: bill and got his architect degree or something Mm -hmm. you know they could have fleshed it out they just didn't have time but they do i mean they do a lot with john oh yeah
0: i mean and i i love john i love his character and i love that he's a marine and he's dedicated to that
2: as well he
1: definitely is because it's yeah so (laughs) it's all over his body and his house so yeah uh, I think this is the same apartment for Clark Kent we saw on Superman the animated series, mm-hmm. particularly in the world's finest three-parter, because, you know, when he, he finds out Batman bugged him, and he uses his x-ray vision and sees Batman, you know, looking through binoculars, you know, and Batman's like that to him, you know, like, yeah. haha, and that's after he peaked, you peaked. Yeah. You know, it's Bruce Wayne, you know, so, so I think that's the same apartment, because I, I always remember that scene, as I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This has to be the most low key ending of any Justice League two parter. Other than the low, sinister laughter, it could be just a day in the life type scene where well, they really are going to sleep after a hard day. Right. But of course it isn't, but it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you took that laughter out, it's just them going to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's it, usually it's like there's some, like somebody's in immediate danger mm-hmm. at the end of an episode. Not this time. So well, let's jump into part two. We'll find out they are in, me- in immediate danger. <laughs>
0: Part two, Flash is showing an animated adventure of himself to a room full of kids. After super buff TV Flash knocks Solomon Grundy into orbit, he heads to the fridge to get him a snack, only to find a giant frog inside, which looks suspiciously like, you know, the frog, Warner Brothers frog, I thought.
1: Yeah, it does. Michigan J. Frog. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I couldn't think of his name off the top of my head. Yep. One of the hungry kids responds by biting Flash's ankles with razor sharp teeth. The other kids turn into pointy-eared vampires as well, and the Scarlet Speedster runs away from his clearly labeled Flash headquarters. He breaks the sound barrier and finds the entire city at a standstill, literally. Time is frozen around him. Flash tries to speak to the townspeople, but no one can respond. Dr. Destiny appears and tells him he's gone too fast and he'll never be able to slow down again. Flash realizes he's in a dream, one he's often had since he got his super speed. But this time, he can't wake up.
4: Hey, guys!
2: Guys?
3: Hello? Anybody? You went too fast. And you're never going to be able to slow down again.
2: now i get it it's a dream same one i've been having ever since i got my speed and here's where the swedish bikini team comes in to keep me company anyway all i gotta do to make this go away is wake
3: up the fastest man alive always leaving people like me in your dust well now you're stuck in high gear and you're going to be all alone forever
0: Destiny leaves him alone and a gray-toned reality has literally passed by, while in the real world, his body sleeps on the watchtower, unable to hear Batman's call.
1: At the hospital, Jean confirms he can't free Penny's mind from Destiny's control. Batman tries to contact Superman, but he too is sound asleep. In his dream, he's out as Clark Kent at a posh penthouse restaurant with Lois Lane. His heat vision begins to activate involuntarily, burning through his menu and his glasses. Lois notes he's hiding something and removes his hands only for the beams to fly towards her Lois screams
3: Hi, it's Clark. Please leave a message I'll be over in a few minutes Whatever you do, don't go to sleep
2: It all looks so good
0: Clark, your menu's smoking
2: Is it? I must have gotten it too close to the candle. It's so dark in here that...
0: This place doesn't have candles. You're hiding something. In fact, you're always hiding something. And I'm going to find out what it is right now.
1: Mark thrashes in his bed, his worst nightmare seemingly come true. Elsewhere, the people of John Stewart's neighborhood run in fear from him, and he doesn't understand why. Dr. Destiny appears and tells him it's because he's no longer human.
2: (gasps) Come back! What are you afraid of?
3: (gasps) You're not one of them anymore. What are you talking about? This is my home. (gasps) Chris, tell this fool who I am.
2: (gasps) Here, come, come.
3: Be it ever so humble.
1: John catches on to being in a dream due to his friend's garbled language and the signage he's unable to read. But it does him little good as his skin begins to crack, revealing the green energy beneath.
0: John and Batman retrieve Lantern and Superman's still sleeping bodies. John prepares to take them to the watchtower, where he hopes their bio-restorative equipment can stir them. Batman heads out to some place familiar that D may be hiding, hoping his body is vulnerable while he is busy invading dreams. John warns him if he nods off for even a second, he too could be under attack. On the watchtower, Hot Girl tries to awaken Flash when John arrives. She tells John about someone invading her dreams, only to find she's still in a dream and Jean is really Dr. Destiny.
2: Flash, wake up. Flash! Jean, thank heaven. There was this telepath who got into my dreams, and... I know. How did you? I'm not sure. That mind control stuff must not work too well on us aliens.
3: Whatever it was, we need to put you somewhere safe.
2: Are you crazy?
3: No, but you're going to be.
0: He binds her wings and then drops her through the watchtower floor and out of the orbit, plunging her towards the earth below. There, she falls into a waiting, open grave and is buried alive under six feet of dirt.
1: The real Jean tries to save his friends while overhearing a news report from Snapper Carr that Penny D has died from her torturous nightmares. He informs Batman he's going to attempt to enter the Leaguers' minds to free them. Batman warns him of the personal risk, but agrees it's the only chance they have. He enters Superman's dream to find the Man of Steel in the smoldering husk of the Daily Planet, begging for help. His pal Jimmy Olsen tries, but the lumbering, oversized Superman crushes him to death with a simple hug. John tells him none of what he sees is real, but the inconsolable Superman flies to Smallville.
2: Help me, please! Isn't there anyone? I'm here for you, big guy. Jimmy, my pal. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm sorry. It's not real. None of it. I started with no power at all, and I kept getting more. What if it never stops?
3: You will handle it. I know you. Words. Just words.
1: Barry finds him cradled inside his rocket, hidden in the Kent barn. Jean tells him he can help him, if he'll believe in him. He touches his head as if in a Martian mind meld, and the man mountain of steel shrinks back to normal size to spout the taunting warning of Dr. Destiny's voice.
3: We can fight this. You'll get hurt. No, I'm stronger here than you are. I can take this from you, but you have to believe in me. Helping.
1: Let's finish this. The two set out to save the others.
0: In the Batmobile, Batman listens to the police file on John D discovering he was a low-level LexCorp employee found guarding smuggled weapons in an investigation initiated by the Justice League. Batman does nod off for a second, and Dr. Destiny appears in the road before him. Batman swerves and nearly hits an oncoming truck. In Green Lantern's dream, Destiny tries to prod John into entering the huge central power battery now located on Green Lantern's block. John appears and tells his teammate he is not the Lantern. It is an extension of him, and he was chosen by the Guardians for his own merits. Destiny attacks him, but Superman comes in with the assist. The two are temporarily overtaken by Destiny's tendril-like cape, while Green Lantern enters the battery. However, he cracks it from the inside, emerging ready for battle, and he forces Destiny to flee from his mind. Batman continues to fight the urge to sleep, barely keeping the Batmobile on the road and stopping at a coffee shop for a triple, much to the barista and patron's surprise.
1: Jean, Superman, and Green Lantern enter Flash's dream, but they too slow down and turn gray before Jean can finish giving Flash's pep talk beyond you must look inside yourself. Hot Girl grows more desperate to escape in her dreams while her body begins to go critical on the watchtower. Dr. Destiny appears to a dozing Batman who responds by shattering the Batmobile's windshield and blasting his radio a jingle copying the tune of Are You Sleeping Brother John? Flash listens to what Jean said and tries to concentrate on what's inside. Ignoring Destiny's attempts to belittle him, he hones in on the rhythm of his own heartbeat and finds himself in sync with the world around him.
2: Well, there's got to be something rattling around in here.
3: Do you have any idea how stupid you look? It won't work. No way. You're never getting out of here. You're stuck. I did it! See what happens when you use your head?
2: I got his eyes. Got Big toe.
1: Destiny responds by growing huge and charging at the heroes.
0: Batman pulls up to the LexCorp warehouse where John D. was arrested. His hunch proves right as the doctor is in the building. He warns Batman that in this close proximity he can invade his mind even if he's not sleeping.
3: Coming here was the mistake of your life. See, the closer I am to someone, the stronger I get. I'll be able to go into your brain, even if you're wide awake. My brain's not a nice place to be. What's this stupid song going through your mind? It's what's keeping you out, Johnny.
0: But Batman, of course, has a contingency. He's humming the tune of Are You Sleeping Brother John, blocking Destiny from taking control. In Flash's dreamscape, the leaguers are battling his giant manifestation. John grows to match his size and the two grapple, but Flash manages to trip him up with some wires around his feet and he falls right into John's uppercut. Destiny disappears in a puddle but promises he isn't finished. The heroes hear Hot Girl's cries for help, but are unable to enter her mind through Jean's psychic portal. An angry Green Lantern blasts away with his power ring.
1: Destiny turns the warehouse into an M. C. Escher drawing with stairways going in all directions, and tells Batman he could let him go since, after all, he's human like him. And the other powerful ones who step on the little man are the ones who deserve his punishment. But Batman's power is his perseverance. You
3: know, I could let you go. You're a distraction now, and it's the others I have the real problem with. We're like insects to them. They step on us, ruin our lives, and they don't even realize it. But you're different. You don't have any special powers. Oh, I have one, Johnny. I never give up. Mm -hmm. Johnny, want to go one-on-one? it give you something to brag about.
1: He goads Johnny into attacking him, and Destiny does so, striking from the shadows with a hypodermic needle full of something at least partially labeled e cane apparently a powerful sedative. The two fight with each little Batman lands, briefly breaking D's Dr. Destiny illusion. The Dark Knight finally knocks his foe into a stack of crates and finds that Diaz accidentally injected himself. Sweet dreams. He passes out instantly.
0: Later on the watchtower, Hot Girl awakens to the sight of her friends greeting her. She wonders if she's dreaming, but when Flash offers to pinch her, she knows she's back in reality. An exhausted Batman sleeps and snores in a nearby chair. Good morning, Sunshine.
2: Wait a minute! Is this another dream?
0: I could pinch you. It's real. <sighs> On Earth, in the prison infirmary we visited before, the withering husk of John D sleeps with his sunken eyes open. A familiar tune, running, was never ending. Yes.
1: Uh Flash's dream dream sequence ties into what we'll see in comfort and joy. We've already discussed that one, but it's from later in the season.
2: Uh-huh.
1: In fact, I think some of the kids that we see here are the same model Models. sheets. Yeah. 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 He does ask the kid if he's French when he sees the giant frog. So sorry, Siskoid and Oh, hotmu girls, making fun of the French humor hasn't aged very well, but it was everywhere back at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can thank the first Queen Elizabeth.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: there you go.
0: Well, that was because one of the people that they tried to marry her off to was the Prince of France, who was a short, short-statured short man, uh-huh. and he did superficially resemble a frog, and it stucks through the centuries. Mm. That's where that actually I comes from. I didn't know from. that's where that came from.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Well, wow, thanks Queen Elizabeth. Jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, you know, the first, not the second. The first, obviously. yeah, obviously,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh I like how Flash has his uh, downtown headquarters labeled Flash HQ. That's a nice touch. <laughs> Mm-mm. The idea of him moving so fast the world was slow down around him reminds me of the story in uh, Flash number 91 from June 1994 by Mark Wade and Mike Waringo during that famous run. Uh-huh. Wally uses Johnny Quick's speed formula and goes so fast he's literally outside time. Max Mercury has to show up and talk him through it to get back.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. The couple he tries to talk to kind of looks a bit like Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon, but not quite. I don't know if they were supposed to be someone attached to the show, but they look like somebody. Mm. So, I don't know.
0: I didn't notice that, but...
1: Also, another little Easter egg that has to mean something to somebody is the marquee on the theater reads, Gigi Pong versus Captain A. I have no idea what that means, but it's probably an in-joke. Oh. So, unless Captain A is Captain America. I don't know what Gigi Pong is, though. Did you think Lois looked a bit off model in the dream sequence?
0: Well, I I chalked it up to it being a dream. Mm. That's, you know, because think about it. You know, people in your dreams generally don't look real life does that make sense
1: it could be like um you know in in the for the man who uh not for the man who has yeah for the man who has everything um in 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 jlu when we get there that adaptation of it lois is is loana she looks like more like lana but uh-huh. sounds like lois yeah, yeah yeah and it's dana delaney so it's kind of hmm yeah <laughs> which i thought was kind of interesting uh <laughs> But this is this is pretty horrific. They don't show anything, but you see Lois remove Clark's hands. The beams oh, fly at the camera. That's... The screen turns orange and she screams. You know what just happened? I mean, it's in your mind. It's just gruesome.
0: What's I thought was was even more gruesome. At least that was off camera with Jimmy. He hugs him and it. Yeah. Know?
2: Oh,
1: I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it, that that's amazing that they got away with that. Now they do. I, I was going to talk about that later. But we're going to talk about it now, but. They do show his body disappear, like it's not you know his body didn't fall to the floor dead. But still, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. gruesome, yeah. In Green Lantern's dream, we see John's old teacher and his grandson Chris from In Blackest Night. So you know that's the kid that that the you know when he tries to talk. Now, now here is the thing they using they're using the same trick. From Batman the Animated Series, Perchance to Dream, where the Mad Hatter has Batman stuck in a dream where Mm -hmm. somebody else is Batman, the idea that you can't really read in dreams. But that's actually been disproven, and you can actually read in dreams at least signs, short phrases, etc. You can't read like a passage from a book without text getting wonky and all that. But, you know, the signs that Green Lantern's looking at... Right,
0: short things. I mean, I've even, you know... When I've been dreaming myself, I can remember being in a dream and being able to read different, you know, short things. When I looked
1: this up, that episode of Batman the Animated Series came up because I think a lot of people took that as gospel. Right. Because they use it as like a, you know, Batman's like, this is a dream because he's like, he's looking at the spines of books and things.
0: Yeah. It's not
1: like he looks inside a book and he does see. Now, inside of a book probably wouldn't make any sense. I like the exchange between Batman and Jean. He warns him about falling asleep. I'm used to working late nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the hot girl dreams a nice fake out. Yeah. Because, you know, she's trying to wake the flash up and they kind of like, how'd Flash get in the chair? You know, but, but, uh, you know, Jean comes in and it makes total sense. And then all of a sudden, you know,
0: well, and I thought maybe they were going to do something about, you know, it didn't work because she's Phanagarian and John wasn't asleep, so that would be your two aliens. But it worked yeah. on Superman, so that, you know, I thought, well, what what's going on here? What's different, you know? Well, and I
1: thought, and, I, I, oh. and I, I couldn't remember what happened. And, you know, I've obviously seen this episode when it first aired, but I, I didn't particularly remember this episode all that well. And I thought maybe she might not be susceptible because she's like some kind of blocker. Right. We're setting up what's going to happen in Starcross. Right. That's maybe that's one true. reason why Jean hasn't been able to read her mind. Yeah. So she's been conditioned or she's got some kind of implant that mm-hmm. blocks things. So, uh, but yeah, it is a, it's definitely a nice, uh, uh, a nice fake out. And, you know, dropping her from orbit is pretty horrifying. And then, and then we have the callback to the claustrophobia and she lands in the grave and then the dirt comes in on her. I mean, it's really woof.
4: In other news, prison escapees Solomon Grundy, Volcana, Firefly, Luminous, and Copperhead are all now back in custody thanks to the Justice League. Still unaccounted for, however, is the last escapee, John D. In a related story, there's been a tragic development in the case of Dee's wife, Penny, who was brought to a local hospital tonight in a catatonic state.
3: What? Was he there? No. Back to square one. The others are getting worse. I'm going to have to go into their minds. Too dangerous. You could end up just like them. If I don't, they'll die for sure. There was a news report. Dee's wife didn't make it. Then do what you have to. And this really
1: shot me. They killed Penny.
0: Oh, no. I mean, know. I mean, I was like, what?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, she's she died from it. I Yeah. Mean, and Feruza Balk was barely in the episode, which is kind of like, wow, you know? But, uh, yeah, I I forgot that part for sure. I'm like, dang. So, yeah, I mean, he's got more of a, he's got more of an on-screen body count than most of their villains do. I know. That's for sure. Batman has no facial reaction when John tells him Penny has died. It would have been easy for them to give him a shocked expression, a raised eye slit or something, but it actually makes sense that Batman wouldn't. Uh-huh. Especially, you know, he you know, knew that they hadn't been able to help her. So, uh, but yeah, we, we're we getting back to Superman's dream. You know, Jimmy's death. David Kaufman, who played Jimmy on Superman the Animated Series, came back for one line and then he's dead. Yeah, I mean, it's like, wow. You know, it's, yeah. We passed the Smallville Water Tower, like the TV show, which mm-hmm. I thought was, was a nice touch. And then the rocket, he's inside the rocket in a fetal right. position. And it's in the exact same... Whatever that is that um Ben
0: Yeah for lack that's of a better built into the wall yeah. of the
1: barn that it was when Mom and Kent showed it to him in the pilot mm-hmm. for Superman the Animated series. So yeah, it well at least we didn't have to see him kill the Kents. Yeah. You know, I thought at first I'm like, Oh god, does he kill the Kents too? I can't remember this. Is it, you know yeah. it's like, geez. Those are gonna like like go through the house and just like destroy it accidentally. I do like the John, John now this, I'm not going to get mad and say, you know, not so Superman. John says I'm stronger than you here, you know, cause you know, I mean, it's in, right. in that, in the mindscape, he is more powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely an edge he has over Superman. And I, I like that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Batman seeing someone in the road and nearly crashing is lifted from Batman Animated Series Scarecrow episode Dreams and Darkness. Yeah, in that case, he saw Robin in the road asking for help, mm-hmm. and that's when where Batman actually ends up getting Doctor Bar- Bartholomew. That's the guy at Arkham. Oh, that I was talking about earlier. Okay, he gets admitted to Arkham. Getting that episode, yeah. So yeah, it starts out with Batman in a straight jacket. So yeah. Uh the green lantern bit is great. The creators put in the bit where John's eyes grow gl- glow green because he's been connected to the ring for some time. Mm-hmm. I mean that was part of the, the the that's what they said in interviews was his eyes glow green, you know, because he's he's connected to the ring and he has been for some time and whenever his connection is cut off then his his eyes finally go normal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so it makes sense that his fear is that's all he is underneath. He's becoming right. He's becoming the ring basically. So I, I thought that was cool. Jean's speech to him is great. It's it's interesting that he's the motivational speaker in this episode because he was laid so low last time, right? I mean, with the Amazo thing where he, you know, psychically, you know, did the psychic sweep and found out humans are a holes. And mm. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, just yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> Give me a triple
2: <gasps> now.
1: Oh! What'd you think about Batman's coffee stop? <laughs> I
0: want a triple.
1: Yeah. Now. <laughs> Give me a triple. Now. I thought that was, you know, Batman's like, <laughs> do <everybody> on the, he's <laughs> like, do you want, do you want a whipped cream on that? Or blah, blah, blah. Batman like pulls it across the counter.
2: Triple. Now. <laughs> you know <what's> yeah. like...
0: <laughs> Not like Danny. Danny and I have gotten into a habit on Friday. We go and turn in her homework for the week. And, So we go and stop at a local coffee shop and do curbside service. And she's like, is it time for my coffee? it time for my coffee. I I get coffee today. Today is Friday yet. Do I get coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Flash has been portrayed uh, so far as a pretty shallow fella. To ask him to look inside seemed like, oh, God, he's screwed. You know, it's like there's nothing there. But we're starting to see the softer side of the Flash and develop his personality a bit more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, I like how they decide how they're going to tackle the giant Dr. Destiny and Green Lantern's like, I've got his eyes. And Superman's like, big toe, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, we're back to another really creepy scene when Batman enters the warehouse, you see destiny partially in the mirror, in the bathroom, lots of bathroom mirrors. Yeah. Uh, But you know, Batman's on the outside hallway and this blown, this, this place looks horrible. And you can just see the, like, half his face and his shoulder in the mirror. And as Batman enters, it pans across and he starts talking to him. It's really, really well done. I love Batman's line, my brain's not a nice place to be. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: It reminds me of that bit in Batman Beyond when Spellbinder was trying to drive Bruce Wayne nuts. And he kept going, Bruce, Bruce. And at the end, Terry's like, well, how did you know that it was, you know, you weren't going crazy? He's like, he kept calling your name. He's like, that's not what I call myself he's yeah. like, oh, well, that's my name now. And he's like, tell that to my subconscious. subconscious. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. I love that. That's like one of the best Batman exchanges ever. Yeah. Uh Flash makes up for his earlier flub in part one here. He ties up Destiny's feet, you know, uh, AT-AT style. So yeah. Jean can, you know, get in a powerful uppercut. You know, that's really nice.
0: You know, that really old movie, you know, where the, with the <laughs> elephant stompy thing. The giant donkey
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How old is this kid, Tony? I don't know. I didn't carbon date him.
0: Sorry, this is what made me think of. Uh, You can
1: never go wrong going back to the airport battle in Civil War. Oh, Oh, wow. God, I love those movies. Anyway, uh, (laughs) the visual of Destiny disappearing in the puddle is cool because it's like, it's blue, but like the skull is still like white and it's taped yeah. and stuff. Blue. That was a really cool visual. There's some really cool visuals. Like there was a couple of little weak moments in part one with the animation, but then the rest of it's like super slick. Nice. Uh, Green Lantern gets cranky when Hot Girl is in danger.
2: Uh huh. Yeah,
1: he's getting mad about it. So yeah. So we're we're building we're building that. Building. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's
0: com- it's coming. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. John D was willing to let Batman go because he's really meta prejudiced, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it out. You know, the little, the big superpowered men are stepping on the little man and.
0: But the thing is, he made himself meta. So I'm like.
1: Yeah, exactly. You like, know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Batman's superpower. His, his, his superpower of never giving up. Discuss.
0: <laughs> Let's hope we're all so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> to have that type of perseverance. Yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Batman's whole—I mean, he's the self-made man. Mm-hmm. So it—it—it it, it, it makes. I mean, yeah, he had you know millions of dollars to. Buy I was gonna art.
0: say, um, but he—I
1: mean, like in you know, he walked away from it to a point. I mean, especially like in Batman Begins, it literally shows him like walking away man. from his wealth to to learn what he did. I mean, in most versions now, he like you know he leaves, and, you know, and I mean, he he's not got somebody funding him. Right. And he's basically on the run while he's learning. You mm-hmm. know, so because uh, he doesn't want people you know controlling what he's doing so um you know it makes i mean batman you know you know historically that's the hero that anybody could be although you know yeah you'd have to be a millionaire and all this stuff but yeah so it it makes sense yeah destiny comes at batman like a horror film complete with shrieking sound effects like uh-huh. ring, ring, ring. <laughs> it's like psycho you know it's like wow i mean
0: this is kind of creepy you know it is
1: pretty creepy i mean you know a little kid it would probably creep the crap out of him I don't know how old it was, Andrew was when he watched this one, but.
0: Well, 2003, so. No, he, I mean, he would only been two. He
1: wouldn't even notice what was going yeah, on. He yeah, he wouldn't have known. Yeah. But when he went back and watched him, he was a little bit older, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when he, Batman's punching him and he's fading like back and forth between John D and Dr. Mm-hmm. Destiny, that's a neat trick too, yeah. So. What is e-cane?
0: I know. When I first read it, I thought it read cocaine.
1: Yeah. So.
0: But that wouldn't work. That's a stimulant. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. The only, I looked that up, and the only references I could find were to this episode. Mm. So, it's not a real drug. Okay. So, I don't know, you know, why they didn't use like a real drug, but, you know, it's probably like copyrighted or, you know, patented or something. And they couldn't. So, but yeah. So, So, yeah. But he gets a. He gets a full body of it, but you noticed one little thing wrong in that scene.
0: Well, when they don't, you know, he gets injected with it, plunger doesn't go down.
1: Yeah, the plunger's still out. Yeah, yeah and they, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, they should have showed the plunger in, yeah, yeah. Uh, Green Lantern greets Hot Girl with a good morning, sunshine, which, you know, yeah. smooth, John, yeah. smooth. <laughs> 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 Flash offers to her, so it's real, so I thought that was fun. I don't think i try to pinch Hop Girl. I think she'd, uh-uh. she'd take back a nub.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Batman snores. Just like you. <gasps> <laughs> ow,
0: ow. Also punch. <laughs> Turd. <laughs> I do not snore. I breathe deeply. You snore. Like a Sith Lord. <laughs> you're wanting to sleep on the couch tonight
1: oh so is john d stuck in an infinite loop with that airworm in his head
0: i don't know it kind of put me in mind you know with that one you know when um oh is it in the justice league episode where they go to the future oh you know what I'm uh, talking about? Yes, yeah. where he's stuck constantly in that loop of you'll oh. never amount to nothing. It made, made me think of oh, that the same yeah. episode. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: true. Yeah, they they like doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Either one's hell, you know, yeah. basically. And I mean, they show his body, his face. He's starting to look sunken in. It's not been that long, but you got a yeah. feeling that he's really going to end up looking like Doctor Death. Yeah, yeah, skull. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into our feature power action feature. Power action feature. There's some really cool moments in this one. Uh, You know, each hero gets one. Mm-hmm. From Hot Girl's bluff with Copperhead, to John's entering her dreams, his uppercut to Doctor Destiny with Flash's assist, to Batman's humming power. You know, John's mind meld with Superman. It's hard to say. What do you think is the Oh
2: power... Hot
0: Girl's quote unquote bluff? Because she was not bluffing. Okay. <laughs> what do you think's gonna happen when you bite me and you drop? Oh yeah. Duh. I'll
1: give you that one. That's a good one. Let's go with that one. Yeah.
0: Rotating chairperson.
1: Uh, Rotating chairperson. I think John and Batman should chair the co-chairman spot in this one because basically mm-hmm. the two of them were the ones that.
0: I'd say John and then Batman can be vice chair.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: Because John really, you know, he was the one that talked him through it, you know. Well,
1: that's true. But if Batman hadn't defeated Destiny when he did, Hot Girl would be dead.
0: I still say Jean would be the brains behind this one with Batman being the muscle.
1: Okay. All right. I'll I'll go with that.
0: Justice League Communicator.
1: Justice League Communicator. There's a lot of great lines here from the heroes to the villain. Lots of naughty double entendres, (laughs) as we pointed out. (laughs) But I have to give it to Batman. My brain's not a nice place to to be. be. Yeah, that's just, yeah, I love that. Yeah.
0: Comic Connections.
1: Comic Connections, this episode really combines a lot of different Doctor Destiny story elements from the prison break in the very first story to Superman's out-of-control powers, even killing Jimmy Olsen in the uh, the first skull Face Doctor Destiny story, all the points in between. I'm betting Stan Berkowitz and maybe some of the other crew like our Power Rich Vogel read all of his appearances before they wrote uh-huh. this because they, they really put them all into a pot and made a real nice stew out of Amalgam, it.
2: Amalgam, yeah. Yeah.
1: Electricity is evil. Electricity is evil. Not, not a whole lot of electricity in, in this episode. I, I guess when John D. fries his own brain in the Materiopticon, I guess that counts.
0: Yeah. There's a lot mean, of lightning you know, flying around. How many times have you had to say that for
2: both of us? Materiopticon.
1: Yeah. Materiopticon. Do do
2: do do. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> This one,
1: this episode, this story is a little different. We don't get much of the main villain in the first episode. Mm-hmm. It's a slow build, like a horror film. Right. But they throw in the other rogues to fill out the action quotient, so mm-hmm. you're not lacking there. And the action sequences are really well done. It's also nice to see uh, some of the villains return and almost all the original voice actors return. Uh, part two is definitely the stronger of the two in both story and animation, I think. There are a few weak visuals early in part one, but once Dr. Destiny shows up, it really picks up. It it actually reminds me a lot of how Batman the Animated Series would do their occasional Uh two-parters. Often the first part was mostly set up, and then the action happened in part two. So, although the reverse of that is, you know, Robin's reckoning, because part one's, like, excellent. Part two's kind of like, oh, man, the animation's kind of in this one. Yeah, that's too bad, but still love those, but yeah. But, but, no, this this is a, you know, it's another... I I remember going into this one, like, watching part one thinking, ah, this one's not quite up to the last two. But then the rest of it really makes up for it. There's a lot of great character moments in this. Yeah. Did you like this
2: one as well? Well,
0: I kind of likened it to where, you know, when you're falling asleep and you've got, you know, you're kind of drifting into the action part of your dream and then the second part is your dream where it's all happening. So I kind of took it all, you know, it set the tone for it.
1: Mm, that's I like that let's go with that Cool. okay we'll take a quick break when we come back we'll cover your listener feedback on the previous episode Batman
2: Nightcast is
1: back with new episodes and a new mission I'm Ryan Daly and I'm Chris Franklin the new Nightcast chronicles the Dark Knight Detective's greatest adventures from our favorite comic book creators what a novel approach talking about the comics we actually enjoy I know right Highlights from this bold new era of Batman Nightcast include... The Joker's Laughing Fish. The Saga of Ra's al Ghul. Is that how we're pronouncing it? Yes. Okay. Batman vs. the Man Bat. And the first appearance of villains like Clayface 3 and the Ventriloquist. Plus more great stories by the likes of Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Alan Grant and Norm frickin' Brayfogle. Irv Novik. Don Newton. Doug Munch. Dick Sprang. Max Allen Collins. No what just messing with you wasn't funny batman nightcast every month from the fire and water podcast network find it on apple Podcasts, spotify and at fireandwaterpodcast.com
4: evolution is a constant even for the world's greatest superheroes founding members have departed New members have stepped in to fill the ranks, and their final memories of Happy Harbor are of a stunning betrayal and the loss of their secret sanctuary. But there is only one place to go for the Justice League of America as they march into the Bronze Age of comics, straight up. More precisely, 22,300 miles up above the earth. Welcome to a bold new era for Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast. Your host, Mike Peacock, invites you to make yourself comfortable for over 100 issues and their very first annual. With the league as they entered a much beloved satellite era, here's a brief sampling of the thrills and chills that await your podcast catcher. A veritable who's who of new members, such as the Elongated Man, Red Tornado, Satana, and Firestorm surprise membership returns more epic team-ups of the justice society of america along with appearances by the legion of superheroes the all-star squadron the new gods and even a combination of the dc universe's greatest heroes of history a galaxy of superstar writers such as denny o'neill len ween steve inglehart and jerry conway the longest artistic run in the book's history by the astonishing Dick Dillon, along with contributions by Neil Adams, Don Heck, George Tusca, Rich Buckler, and George Perez. All this and more surprises and excitement await you in this new phase of Justice's first dawn. Come along with Television's Era Certified Super Friends at classicjla.podbean.com or subscribe to the show via iTunes. Oh, yeah. And there's the debut of Ultra. Yay. Okay, we're going to cover feedback left at
1: FireWaterPodcast.com. First to write in was Doug Bandiver.
0: Smurf ice cream. Ooh, that sounds good. Was it made with real Smurf milk? (laughs) No, not so much. It was really good blueberry ice cream. Yeah. And I have to have it. I have a shirt.
1: Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. I just
0: bought a shirt this last time. Because
1: that's Peanuts now, but it's yeah. Snoopy in the blue ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his ac- we got acronyms for uh, AMAZO. Mm-hmm. That we asked you guys to tell us what you think AMAZO stands for. So what did he tell us?
0: You go with that one.
1: Anthropomorphic. That's the M. Automaton with zero odor. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> okay. These are all good, but that one's fun. Uh, actually kind of, we were talking about Kings Island and my dad brought out like mm-hmm. a bag full of stuff that, um you know, my dad, my dad's one of the few people that's coming out to the house right now, uh, as we're all, you know, staying home. Uh, but, uh, he brought out a bag of stuff he got cleared out of his building because it had flooded a while back mm-hmm. and a bunch of school papers that my mom had saved. And- it's
0: like every school paper that he like touched, he put his hand on. His mama kept from <laughs> kindergarten through third grade.
1: Yeah, and we weeded through. I found some cool stuff in there, but one of the coolest things I found, probably the coolest thing, was a twenty-eight by or no, twenty-six by thirty-eight poster-sized map of Kings Island yeah. from nineteen eighty-two that had Hanna Barbera land on it and everything. Mm-hmm. I want to get a frame for that sucker. Oh yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so it was kind of weird because we've just been talking about Kings Island, so. Uh, Brian Linton says, as a kid, I was fortunate enough to visit Kings Island yeah, uh-huh. and Hanna-Barbera land every year for my dad's company picnic. I can attest to the fact that the Smurf ice cream was absolutely smurfy. I can't say for certain what it was made from, but I think I once found a small little white hat in mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Doug
0: V. Period A, period N, period D, period I, period V, period O, period. Doug Vandavo.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so says, he's like Amazo and Professor Ivo together. I know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, if they had to move on to some other license, so be it. I might have suggested a Doctor Manhattan Island to justify keeping the ice cream blue, but that might have been not might not have been as kid friendly as Peanuts. It so happens I did move recently to the Cincinnati area, so maybe I'll find some reason to try the blue stuff when the park reopens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course, it might be a little bit longer till it reopens. But when mm. it does, I, I Kings Island's a good time. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not Disney World. No, but, no, no. But, but, but what is? You know, but I mean, it, it's one of the better amusement mm-hmm. parks. It, de- it definitely is. It's really, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. If you got young kids, it's good to go. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're kind of in between that, you know, you like, you know we're not real super thrill ride people, but we like themed rides mm-hmm. and stuff. It's it's nice. It's it's you know we've been there many many times and we'll go back again. So yeah. Danice wrote in to say Hill Jack and McGruff. LOL. That would make a great movie, like you were saying in the show, with soups and Bats as buddy detectives thrown together to solve a mastermind crime. Combine genres, get a little humor in there without going camp. I'm just affably spitballing off your idea. I like it. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally watch Hill Hill Jack and McGruff. Uh, his Amazo anagram is Adorable Mannequin Assist Zealous Oafs like Luthor. <laughs> nice.
0: Gothos Mansion writes in to say, Hmm, no cute acronym for Amazo. Just because I'm nerdy doesn't mean I smot. Sorry. I thought Mercy's change in attitude may have been a throwback to Ghost in the Machine on Superman the Animated Series. Mercy was fiercely protective of Lex the entire episode until he p- betrays her near the end. The vibe I took from it was that since, in her own words, she was a stray, she had to put up with Lex after the betrayal because she had nowhere else to go. When she finally got the chance, though, Mercy was glad to turn the screws on Lex. Chris, you aren't the only Bat fan that didn't like No Man's Land. I try to be nice and positive, but I have no qualms on saying I absolutely hated it and all those multi-part crossovers that dragged on through every issue of the Bat titles. And congrats to Cindy on the new job. I hope that she enjoys it. So, thank you.
1: Yeah. So, well, you can't, you didn't really get, you you started a new job at the worst time in history.
4: (laughs) I mean, it was
0: one of those cases. I started a new job and the first week I got the flu. So, I missed three out of five days. And then the next week I was under quarantine because I was exposed to coronavirus. I did not get it. But I had been exposed, and so my boss's boss said I had to stay home. Yeah, and so I had to work from home, and then everybody works from home now.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, we were we were kind of in our area like the test pilots for it in a lot of ways. Yeah. At both our works, as I call my work, and they're like, "Yeah, you stay home and work from home this mm-hmm. this week." And then I went back one day, and they're like, "Just go work from home." Mm. Uh So yeah, so and I mean, I know a lot of you guys are work from home if you're still able to work, and I know we're very lucky to still be working uh, from home, but you're actually have been able to work from home as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's good. At least there's that, but yeah. Uh, Ryan Daly. I think I know that guy wrote in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. The first part of this story has one of my favorite beats in the season. The league has their back against the wall and they're desperate for Superman's assistant, but green Lantern tells him to stay the hell away. He's analyzed the situation. He's level-headed enough to know that things will get a thousand times worse. If Superman comes to the rescue, but that's also followed up by the fact that Superman does come to the rescue. But he doesn't rush in like an idiot. He actually has a plan to neutralize Amazo. Terrific character work. Also, while I understand why Tim and the producers would favor a more streamlined design for the robot, I have so much love for the goofy comic book Amazo. His look is so weird, but it works for me in the same way that Chronos, Signal Signalman, and Killer Moth's costume work. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, and we'll get more into the costume bit. Some other people brought up the fact that Amazo's costume might have worked better than we thought, and... And we'll get into that, but yeah, that's true. There's there's a charm to those guys, and when they most of those guys showed up verbatim on Batman: The Brave and the Bold, and they look fine, but that show does have a quirky attitude too. So,
0: Nick Vector writes in to say the CW Elseworlds crossover had written out an acronym for Amazo, but since the AM stood for anti-metahuman, I word change it for Justice League to say artificially intelligent, mechanized, adaptive. Zootomatic organism, but that is just a guess. Well, I can't take credit for that. The azo part was from an Elseworlds show. Zootomatic?
1: Zootomic, I Zootomic,
0: think. Zootomic, okay, is a word. It refers to the compared... Oh, yeah, Zootomic. It refers to the comparative study of the anatomy of animals, which I guess a sorta does? It's a bit of a stretch, but not as much of a stretch as the acronym the CW Flash Show used for Firestorm.
1: Yeah, I can't even remember that, but that was crazy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't know that Zootomic was a word when he... Yeah, I I think I commented back, is Zootomic a word? And he's like, yeah, oh yeah, it's a word. I didn't know it, so. Never heard of it. I just never heard of it before. Mm. Lizanne Oswalt says, interesting that he adapts to the bomb in his head. Guess he had learned of it when he read Lex's mind. Maybe making a fake head and putting the bomb in the fake head. Hmm. Well, Lex got what he deserved, though weird when he puts on the power suit to go against Darkseid. Ah, the gold bit works. Oh, yeah, talking ahead to the final episode. Mm. I like him better when he meets Dr. Fate and Aquaman. (laughs) Good joke by Supes at Lex's expense. Yeah, that's, in fact, that where Amazo meets Dr. Fate and Aquaman is the same episode I was referring to where Grundy becomes the analog for the Hulk, and these guys all become analog for other Marvel characters, so we'll get there, you know, sooner than later, so that'll be that'll be fun. Robert Kelly... Oh, not you. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Don't take my bit. Sorry. Robert Kelly writes in. I know him.
1: Yeah, I think I've heard of him.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. He's got this really nice girlfriend. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I like her. They have a headquarters. Yeah. See? There you
1: go. <laughs> Just like The Flash.
0: See? There you go. Um, anyway, he writes in to say, great show, guys. Love the Rich Fogle intro. Is he now your good friend like Dick Donner is? <laughs> Which I would normally never... While I would normally never criticize the work of Tim and company, I will say their redesign of Amazo is so dull. I cannot see it going with his goofy look from the comics, but a featureless gray robot just did not do it for me. And for my money, Amazo stands for Automated Mechanical Attack Zombie One.
1: I like that. That's good. I like all these. They're, mm-hmm. yeah, they're very, very inventive. And I think the Rich Fogel intro will just use it if he's on the show again. I just I used it the second time because we were talking about the feedback mm. on that one, but I'm not gonna use it every time. So but
0: Yeah, but, but you know, I still great interview. I oh, can't wait yeah. till we have him again, hint oh, hint.
1: Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely, Let's definitely. Yes, it's... definitely. Uh, Brian Linton says, thanks for another great episode. I found this to be an interesting take on the Amazo character. He had a real Frankenstein's monster kind of feel to him. I.e. the monster as depicted in the novel rather than the universal movies. No offense to the beloved movies. And his acronym is adaptive machine ascends to Zenithal, i.e. or relating to the Zenith. Omnipotence. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's a very, yeah, that's the most, uh, mm, that's a highfalutin acronym. I like that. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's good. I Five dollar word and you got a fifty cent allowance. I know, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) At least you can pronounce it. There you go. I'm I'm awful. Materiopticon. Yeah. (laughs) Brian Rosen writes in to say, congrats on the new job. Thank you. And how are you liking it so far? Well, like, you know, and how much was or is it affected by the pandemic? Well, like we were saying, I'm working for our local school system as the after school Uh, program coordinator with no school there's no after school so right now i'm doing a lot of training i'm doing a lot of getting stuff ready as far as supplies and stuff like that and doing a lot of planning i have my program planned up through at least mid-october if not november you know so lots of things going on but thank you for asking you've been posting videos on facebook yeah i've been posting a lot of videos on facebook so you know getting things going. If you have young ki- kids, please look on uh, my Facebook page. Cause I always not only share it on my, um, school Facebook, but also, also my personal Facebook. And these are activities that are great for kids kindergarten through fifth grade, and maybe a little below and a little bit above and things to do that as a family as well.
1: Cool. So his acronym is,
0: oh, I'm sorry. Um, Android, multi-adaptive, zero opposition. Ooh,
1: that's a Man. good one, too. Yeah, I like that. Zero opposition, that's cool. Simple Penning wrote in to say, I think this version of Mercy is as close as I get to a definitive version, and the less said about the fate of the underused Mercy on the big screen, the better. Yeah, let's just forget all about Lex Luthor and those movies all together, because, God, I hate that version of no, Lex that's okay. <laughs> I know.
2: No, no, it's okay. I, I know.
1: it's okay. I know, I know, I know.
0: Tim Price writes in to say, I want to make comments on the episodes and the podcast, but I'm stuck thinking of daggum acronyms, which I stink at. Nonetheless, actively motivated, assimilating, zany offspring. (laughs) I like it. I'm conflicted about Amazo's design here. On the one hand, I'd like for him to pull in more colors when absorbing powers, not just the gray on gray logos to spice things up. But on the other, the blank look enhances the creepy factor. See, that's where I'm at with it myself. Yeah. Um, so not sure which way I'd go, but I do like Amazo's look from the first season of Young Justice, showing that the classic design can work in that series' style. Jaune didn't fit as rotating chairperson, but I want to give him extra props for his plan to win the battle by letting Amazo absorb his telepathy. A great subtle gambit and it paid off. Nice. Is it just me or is it the skeeviest that Lex has been portrayed in the Timverse? Seriously, his interaction with Mercy so gross. Thanks for another great show, Franklin's.
1: Yeah, definitely. This is Lex at, yeah, the skeeviest because I think they're able to to kind of broach his skeevy nature a little bit more on Cartoon Network in their time slot. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah, it's definitely the skeevy side that we saw in the comics. Uh, yeah. And I, and I totally forgot that Amazo was on Young Justice and I apologize. I watched the first few seasons of Young Justice Uh I have not watched the new one yet I don't know why I just I've been you know I need to watch that I need to watch that I I plan to watch it I just haven't got around to it yet and um you know I watched it when it first aired and yeah I just it and I enjoyed Young Justice I just I totally forgot that Amazo was on there and he definitely looked old school Amazo and it did work so uh so it could have worked here so I that was me dropping the ball on that one guys so Thanks for all the acronyms or some really uh they're all great, they're all fun. That was a fun little exercise. I hope you guys had had fun doing that. And it made me think when you said about videos, um, you know, just in case you didn't know, Firewater Podcast Network launched a YouTube channel mm-hmm. a while back and Rob put up some episodes of video comics uh, that uh, his beloved video comics that used to air on Nickelodeon that were uh, um, you know, basically were uh DC Comics on TV narrated mm-hmm. and, you know, voice acted. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to try to produce some new content, too. And I actually put a video up of our recently resuscitated toy room.
0: I mean, I tell you what, Chris worked on that forever. <laughs> what happened is we had um, a, an extra bedroom until our daughter was born. And when she was born, everything from there got shifted into the collectibles room. And it's basically been in various stages of holy crap throughout the years based, you know, we had, you know, Set construction and, and stuff yeah. and, you know, and this, that, and the other. Chris, for the last year, has worked his tail end off um, putting that room back together. He did like 94% of that. <laughs> and I came in on the tail end and put like three things up there just to basically say, yeah, I helped, but really it was, you know, 95% you, you did it. I'll be honest. And you did a great job. So, um, hopefully if you have a chance to go look on YouTube, you can see all those things. And, you know, like I said, that's just one room. We've got other stuff that we might share later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely, I'm definitely going to do a sequel. I just, you know, producing this right now. And, uh, and also, I recently produced an episode of FW Presents, um, Toot my own horn here, but where I talked to uh, Jim Beard, who's the mm-hmm. editor of the new book, Zock Zowie: the Subterranean Blue Grotto Guide to Batman 66, Season 1. I remember that off the top of my head. I know. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a really fun episode. Uh, great to talk to Jim. Jim's a heck of a writer. He's a fan, one of a uh, comic fan made good, uh, prolific writer uh and uh i got to contribute to that book yes and uh so uh you can check that book out i got to write uh, about a riddler episode featuring frank gorshin so that was a lot of fun uh and uh, the sequels uh coming uh hopefully later this year and i'm working on an article for that essay for that as well so
0: well and that book is available on amazon both as a paperback and as a kindle edition so if you want to look for adding that to your library there you go
1: yeah exactly so uh lots of Exciting stuff going on, and uh, but uh, thank you guys for listening to JLU Cast. Uh, special thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and you can choose to sponsor a specific show on the network if you choose. And if you do, you will be mentioned as a special Patreon on every episode of that series. We don't have anyone currently on our JLU roll call. And we'd love to have somebody to 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 name at the end of each episode. So you may want to consider that. You yeah. Know? If you're a fan of our show, and you,
0: you can even say which one of us you want to say your name, right? <laughs> you know. Say my name. Say my name. Yeah.
1: So yeah. <laughs> you can, uh, so yeah. And you I can. can
0: even try a breathy Marilyn Monroe delivery.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a Lisa Simpson <laughs> delivery when you laughed just there. But uh, yeah, so you can you can do that if you want. Uh, but uh, you can leave a comment uh, on the firewaterpodcast.com, just like the feedback we led, uh, read, and let us know what you think of this episode. Join us next time uh, when we discuss the two-part episode, Maid of Honor. Now, that one's an interesting, that's a Wonder Woman-centric mm-hmm. episode. And, uh, I remember not being real crazy about that one.
0: Not even me.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It might change your mind because, yeah,
0: cause it's been several years since we've seen it.
1: The Wonder Woman episode from last year, the centric one with Felix Faust was mm-hmm. one of the best episodes of the season. So, right.
0: True.
2: So true. we might
1: find that we might be eating our words. Yeah. But either way, it'll be fun to discuss. So we'll see
2: you then. Bye. Bye. J.L.U.Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water podcast network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at firewaterpodcasts.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUCast in FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUCast. You Manamana, Manamana,
3: Hello? Okay, just a second.
4: It's for you. Manamana. The question is, what is a monomena?
2: The question is, who cares? <laughs>